Welcome to Before the Come Up. In this podcast, I sit down with a different member of the Columbia Business School class of 2023 each week. I learn about their backgrounds, their upbringings, and things that motivate them and drive them. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the second episode of the second season of Before the Come Up. I'm so excited to be joined by Wilbert Carpenter. Um, Welcome. Thank you so much, GT. It's really good to be here. I don't know why you picked me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were nominated, man. So um, look, your classmates picked you. Um, I'm so excited to get into this chat. Um, Let's start by learning a little bit about where you're from, your background, and your upbringing. Sounds good. I feel like I could talk about this for the entire podcast, but I'll limit it to just a few minutes. Uh, So I'm originally from Petersburg, Virginia. I actually grew up in a small town right beside it called Dinwiddie. very much the south a lot of people think of virginia they're like no it's really not the south but you come to visit my home and you see that it is uh so grew up around a lot of farms you know my dad he's an avid hunter and fisher uh no real diversity there it's either you're black you're white um not much else in between um and that was that was life for me um all the way up until I'd say high school. Uh, So I went to an arts and technology high school. Um, It was a magnet school, so there were students who came from, I want to say, about 20 different counties or cities from across uh, Virginia. Uh, For me, that was the first time that I did actually see people who weren't just black or white. Uh, It really opened up my mind to what else was out there in the world. Uh, And that was also the first time that I felt that school was really challenging. Mm. Uh, So it pushed me uh, heavily outside of my comfort zone, uh, which was very difficult to begin with. Uh, But because of that, it helped me to become a lot more comfortable within myself. Uh, so there, I I was a tech major, but I was active uh, in musical theater. Uh, that's when I became attracted to the arts, you know, visual performance, all of that, uh, and that really pushed me to want to eventually leave home uh, to get outside of this small space that I knew in Virginia, and so I ended up going to Howard University for undergrad. Uh, there, majored in international business and marketing. I really went into that because it gave me two years to figure out what I actually wanted to concentrate in. <laughs> I knew I wanted to do something in business, didn't know exactly what. I was drawn to marketing just because it felt interesting to me. And I also liked, or I was drawn to how marketing can shape how it is that people view themselves and the world around them. And um, I thought about my own experiences with the media that I consumed, uh, the ads that I looked at, the magazines that I would read, and that helped to create this picture of a life that I wanted to attain. And I, you know, now I look back and realize how that can have both positive and negative effects. Uh, So, 
fast forwarding to where we are now, you know, here at Columbia, I'm trying to focus on tech strategy and doing it in a way uh, that we can build more inclusive systems um, and processes within you know these huge technology companies that are essentially running the world today. Um, thinking back or thinking about media and marketing in, in and of itself, you know, I'd been so drawn to the creative and the visuals of it, um, but it's really being fueled by the technology that's behind it now. Uh, so if I can help to push diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives through that route, um, that would help me to feel like I'm making small but positive, uh, you know, step for the world yeah wow no that's so so interesting so many interesting leads to to go down there um I, i'm gonna come back to the career stuff yes, and yes. that mission stuff especially no, when we talk lie. about your journey to <laughs> cbs and you know dive a little deeper into what you want to do but mm-hmm. i'm just so curious to learn a little bit more as well about what life was like for younger you in virginia um you talk about how going to that school kind of opened your eyes to like the world of diversity and other things that challenge you and like different career paths. But firstly, like what did you want to be when like you were super young? And how do you think coming from where you uh, grew up and then entering Howard, how did you feel compared to like some of your peers who had grown up in um, cities or different parts of the country? Um, what was that adjustment like? Age-old question, what do you want to do? Who do you want to be when you grow up? That's something that I never had a good answer to. Mm. And I still don't. Mm. Uh, I think every (laughs) few months, at least a few years, it changes. And I take a look at what are the things that I've done most recently? What do I like? What don't I like and never want to do again? And I pivot from there, uh, which essentially started in high school. You know, I came in as a tech major. At that point, I barely knew how to type properly. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. The fact that, like, as a kid, you're having a major, like, what? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I was just trying to get into the school. Right. It had. You know, won a lot of awards. I felt that it would be a good place for me to learn and to be challenged. So that was the initial draw. And so for a while, I thought that I would go the engineering route. Um, the department head was, was a former engineer. And, you know, in her classes, you know, we'd learn all the, the basics of coding and everything. I never really grasped it as quickly as I wanted to, and there were people that just loved it, and I realized that wasn't me. Uh, But one thing that she did do is uh, add in business theories uh, into our engineering courses, because she often said that engineers can become so hyper-focused on one particular problem that they're trying to solve that it's easy to lose sight of the bigger picture. Uh, And so she was really trying to really instill business foundations and business thinking um, into emerging engineers so that, you know, they don't hit that ceiling. Uh, For me, I just gravitated towards the business side of things, which I mentioned is what I ended up going into uh, when I went to Howard. Right, right. So cool. So um, 
essentially, once you graduate from uni or college, as we call it here, um, you now have to kind of make the first decision of like, okay, what's that career going to look like? Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about that career journey that you had post undergrad. And then ultimately, why did you decide to get an MBA? Why Columbia? Like, what made you think to make this kind of transition to school again? Yeah, so the recurring theme here is I never knew what I wanted to do. So graduating college, uh, I knew I wanted to do a rotational program, uh, somewhere that allowed me to travel and explore different types of roles so that I could see you know, what I did best with uh, and what excited me. So I ended up joining Nielsen, um, known for producing television ratings. Um, entered a program, four different rotations um, across, you know, client service with media companies. Did some product marketing and uh, did some project management with uh, some engineering teams. And um, great experience overall. And it confirmed that I wanted to stay within marketing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, most people through that program either go the client service route or the product manager route. I didn't want to do that. Um, I used my connections, was able to join the global marketing team. Um, it was a really small group. They typically didn't hire people outside of the program. Um, and I just slid my way in there wow. <laughs> and ended up staying uh, eight years, <laughs> much longer than I had ever expected. Uh, but what I got from that is every time that I was looking to move, I was given a new project uh, that forced me to to build new skills and to meet new people um and i just had great leaders uh which is more than i can say for most of my other peers especially starting out in their careers one other thing that i did while i was at nielsen is i led the recruitment team for Howard university and was also heavily involved in the black employee resource group And towards probably my last two or three years at Nielsen, I realized that it was that work with the the ERGs and getting more, you know, diverse candidates into the pipeline. That's what drove me, (laughs) you know, whereas give me a few hours in the morning. I can crank out a lot of work by midday. You know, I'm pretty much done. But give me something that's that's DEI focused Mm -hmm. and. I'm much better able to push myself to to do more. And so I wanted to really go down that route, but also in a way that, again, wasn't siloed. You know, so often you have these companies and their marketing saying, we support all groups of people and we're pledging this amount of money to, you know, these foundations. And then it just doesn't go anywhere after that. Uh, And so... Going back to the question of how I came here, you know, I saw that these you know, diversity conversations are happening in this one small space, uh, but not expanding outside of that. And I'm here to figure out how it is that we can make that possible. So it's not just the DEI leads who are setting this strategy and creating an inclusive culture, but it's something that comes down to every single person that's a part of the organization. Yeah, wow, wow, that's so deep. Um, and such a pressing and important issue. 
I think the intersection of technology and race and bias is something which we're just on the cusp of. Like mm-hmm. it hasn't been mm-hmm. explored to the fullest nearly at all. So I'm wondering if you can kind of share some insights with the class into some of the things maybe they should be thinking about that you have kind of learned along your way that maybe weren't obvious, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, as a black man growing up in America, there must have been so many things which were just so obvious and blatant to you that maybe some of your peers wouldn't find so obvious. But even with this tech side, I think that there's so many people in America to, today who might be not aware mm-hmm. of some of the racism and bias that yeah. exists through a technological lens, right? What are some of those things that you have essentially through your own research and being involved in the space have realized? Yeah, so this is something I've been doing a lot of thinking about and don't really have all of the answers yet. But, you know, there's been this huge focus on the powers of big data. Mm. How you can take these huge data sets and find trends within them and you know, make better decisions in a way that is less biased than just having a person coming up with an idea and making a decision off of that. Um, however, as with most things in society, um, there are harms to everyone. You know, I'm not here to say that only black people or people of, that are part of marginalized communities are the only ones that are being affected, you know, by technology. It's just that we are disproportionately harmed because of those things. Um, and, you know, thinking about, you know, for instance, everything that went on with like the Cambridge Analytica scandal, you know, being able to take this uh, data from Facebook and targeting groups of voters and essentially, you know, election hacking, um, putting out misinformation or disinformation that changes how people actually vote. And this is a huge problem for everyone. Um, And I'm sure that there are, you know, so many people who, you know, weren't happy with the results of many of our previous uh, elections. Um, However, if you like dive deeper into it, it's a lot of, uh, you know, black and poor, like lower socioeconomic communities that were really targeted by this. Uh, And so, I think it's really important for people to take a step back and think of of all of the things that are happening in the world that directly affect me. How am I being harmed here? Um, And then taking it one step further and think, all right, I'm also probably a person of privilege and some of the harms may not affect me more than someone else. But for those other people that may not look like me or may not think like me or come from a completely different background, how are they being affected by this? And is there anything that I can do um, to change that or at least be more aware of how some of the decisions that I make can affect other people outside of just myself? Yeah, no, that's super powerful and I think Um, wanting to go into the technology space I think it's just so important that is one of the areas that we need diversity and inclusion probably the most right because some of these decisions which are being coded into Mm -hmm. software and algorithms Mm -hmm. 
have ripple effects that we we don't even know yet right yeah. and if you have a room where everyone kind of like looks the same mm-hmm. thinks similarly there might be some like devastating bugs or ripple effects that people just don't even think about and i, I i'm kind of just so excited to see where your journey leads and um think it's just very very important work and kind of hope other people kind of get inspired by listening to what you're saying and think perhaps maybe there's also a field for them to kind of go in as change makers into the industry so it's it's very cool i now kind of want to talk a little bit about your passions mm-hmm. and the things that really excite you whether it's outside of work or outside of school like what are your biggest hobbies what are the things that like get you really excited motivate you of course you've already talked about the power of you know DEI and inclusion that kind of drive you from a work perspective but what else yeah let's get into it so one i love to eat nice um <laughs> i'm a pretty small guy but if you ever have been out with me to eat or been around my family um you know I enjoy good food. Uh, spend way too much money on it, but that's also one of the best parts of being in New York. Dude, hundred <laughs> percent. Just been like exposed to so many like new types of food that I never even considered or thought of, or honestly thought was disgusting. <laughs> you know, growing up. Uh, so if anyone ever wants to to go out to eat to try something new, definitely hit me up. Also, I'm a, a pretty big fashion guy. Um, I would you know grow up looking at fashion magazines and stuff um, and I probably pay a little more attention to to what I wear um, compared to other people at CBS yeah if you're not sure who Wilbert is yeah just look for that like nicely dressed like slender guy like that's him man like always looking on point <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. So um, when I'm not, you know, on campus and have some free time, I like to uh, get out in the city, see what like new brands are out there, do a bit of window shopping. Um, although I'm big into clothes, I'm also very cheap. So I don't like to spend a ton of money. Um, me and a friend actually took over um, a website called The Choosy Beggar. Um, this was in 2015. Um, and it's essentially a site that's all about men's sample sales in New York. Uh, so we would, you know, work with the brands. They would like share information. We would send it to our audience, um, and yeah, just put everyone on to to the sample sales that were happening. Um, a lot of them, you know, fell off during the pandemic, but I'm hoping that they're going to revive sometime soon. Man, that's so cool. That is so awesome. I I didn't know that about you. So tell us a few of, firstly, tell us, give us some fashion tips, right? Because like, (laughs) obviously not everyone at CBS is coming with uh, that eye for fashion as you are. So first, give us like your top two or three fashion tips for men just generally. And then I guess for people who are like looking for some good deals for clothes, because obviously in New York City, the cost of living is high. Mm -hmm. The cost of fashion can be high. What are some tricks that you have that you've acquired over the years that can help people uh, look good, but also save a buck? All right. Yeah. So just general advice or tips. You got to be comfortable. <laughs> Don't wear anything that you're not comfortable in uh, because you're not going to come off as confident and 
yeah, you won't be your your true self. Um, also, I think it's a good idea just to pick up pieces that you like and, you know, hold on to them until, you know, that outfit comes together. You may not have it all in your mind at one point, but, you know, create a collection and then piece things together. Um, and also invest in items that are going to last over time. Um, you don't have to, you know, always go the fast fashion route, something that's like super, you know, cheap. Um, you'll get a few wears out of it, um, but then you're gonna have to, you're gonna need something new. Um, most of the stuff that I'm wearing now, I've like literally had for, you know, minimum of three years. That's probably like 90% of my wardrobe right now. Uh, so like, that's just some, some advice. Um, and specific to to New York, check out 260 Sample Cell. Um, they are one of the one of the only groups that are currently doing sample cells right now. And also, if you f see something that you really like um, that you want to get, uh, but it's kind of expensive, just flag it. Come back to it, check on it. It's gonna go down for you know most likely, um, and it'll still be there. And if you actually don't like it by the time that you're comfortable paying for it, you probably didn't need it in the first place. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah. Again, sense. like that's advice from a cheap person. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Okay. So when you came to CBS, had you been living in the city already for a while, or you were new to the city? No, I've been in New York since 2013. Oh wow. Okay, so so first things first, like what were your initial expectations of the city and how did it meet those or not? And what tips can you give to some of the people who've only been here for a semester about maneuvering the city? Yeah, so I have some family that's from here. So my dad um, has family uh, that's in New York and growing up we would visit maybe once or twice a year and I always felt that it was so overwhelming. I had a ton of fun, I got to see new things, but I never wanted to live here. Then I get to college and all of the best jobs are in New York. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm gonna end up there against my will. And so I came and luckily I had a really good community. There was a good group um, of us that graduated Howard at the same time, and we spent at least a day or two each week together, um, cooking meals, going out to happy hours and different events, uh, and having that group to go along with in this new and busy city really helped to shape my experience um, in a way that allowed me to feel comfortable um, while being surrounded by so much chaos uh, and uncertainty. Um, but I know that a lot of people don't have that, which makes it so much harder to find a lane here. Uh, so my advice would be find just a few people with shared interests uh, that you can can explore with mm -hmm. uh, and just get out there, you know, Pick a new neighborhood that you haven't been in and spend, you know, 30, 45 minutes just walking around. Um, check out the restaurants. You know, I, I 
really hate going places like multiple times. So I'm always on, you know, eater.com uh, or thrillish trying to see what are the best new restaurants at the time yeah. uh, and you know just making reservations that can way can you give us like some a couple of restaurants that you recently checked out uh, one of my favorite restaurants is called pig and cow um, it's in the lower east side uh, it's like an asian fusion place uh, that is one restaurant that I will go to every single week uh, if I had the chance. <laughs> nice. So going against what I just said, that's somewhere that yeah. everyone should should check out. And um, where have I gone to most recently that was good? Yeah, because look, for me, so what me and my girlfriend have been telling us, I was like, there's so many good restaurants, like we should never go to the same place for dinner. <laughs> but then we always find like a spot and we yes, love it and yes. we just can't help but to go back. But I think for this year, like going forward, we definitely want to try and like go out of that like comfort zone, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. to say, and just be like, look, this is really the food city. Like you can try literally any type of food, different locations, different setups. So yeah, I, I completely subscribe to that. And yeah, I'm loving your tips. Like I wanna hear some more. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing on restaurants, um, especially for the Columbia community, uh, check out Rock, um, R-O-K-C. Uh, it's a ramen spot a little further up from the new Manhattanville campus, but I'm also trying to get people to explore <laughs> more around that area. Uh, and also there's a restaurant called Archer and Goat, um, which is in central Harlem. Uh, they have some of the best uh, duck mm. that I've had. Wow, nice, nice. Huge fan of duck. That's like one of the other things I'm trying to pry myself away from. Like I'll go and try different restaurants and then I'll always end up ordering the same thing because like I love duck so much or I love, you know, whatever it is. I'm curious. People have really different answers to this, but mm -hmm. do you have someone who you kind of look up to, who you try and model yourself on, or like someone who like really, through like their work or passion for their work, inspires you? So I'm gonna go the basic route here and talk about my parents. Hell yeah, <laughs> preach, let's hear it. Um, so my mom is a former school teacher, um, born and raised in Virginia. Uh, don't think she'll ever really leave, like most of my family. Um, my dad, he uh, did quite a few things uh, when he was younger. I don't know the half of it, <laughs> uh, but when you know, I was growing up, he was like a general manager for a university bookstore. And what they really instilled in me is just to go after what it is that you want um, and be passionate about it and find a way to make it work. Um, you know, my mom, she worked in a school district that was predominantly black. Um, some may say was struggling, um, but she made the most out of that and was very respected by her students and within that space. And she knew that that was the work that she was placed here to do. Uh, and she never really let go of that. 
Um, and my dad, you know, he did all that he needed to do to provide for the family. Um, you know, I didn't have much um, growing up, but I never felt like there was any type uh, of lack. Um, you know, outside of his nine to five, he also did what he wanted to do. <laughs> um, so also had that, you know, that work-life balance, which um, honestly, I probably should have paid a bit more attention to. Um, but just, I think even growing up in the same household, we are a family of very different personalities and people, um, and all of it was supported. Uh, and so they just showed me, regardless of who you are, what's expected of you and what you wanna do, just create a space for it and, and go after it. And, you know, I hold on to that much more than I do all of the, the CEOs and, you know, big names that have these, you know, amazing stories, which are inspiring. Uh, but to, to really get to know the people behind it, um, behind those ideas is what, you know, draws me to my parents is that key piece of inspiration that I hang on to. Mm. Wow, that's so deep. I love that. I, and, you know, that's, it's such a blessing, right, to have um, parents who open the space for you to kind of explore what you want, n not necessarily uh, push you in one direction or another. So that's so cool. And I'm so glad to hear that you had that experience and that culture from up top in your family delivered down to you guys. Um, is there a favorite quote you have or maybe even a best piece of advice that you carry with yourself? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer both of those. So Wonderful. something I didn't mention is I grew up in the Baptist church. Um, from a very young age, was there every single Sunday. Um, whole family was there. Right afterwards, we went you know, to my grandma's house for Sunday dinners. Um, and that's something that I was never able to get away from, even if I tried. Um, so I'm very churchy. Um, one thing, uh, my favorite, you know, partial scripture um, is all things work together for the good. Uh, and I hold on to that when I don't feel like getting out of the bed in the morning, when my plans aren't, you know, unfolding the way that I want them to, uh, when I have no idea what direction I should go in and what's coming next. Uh, I take a step back and think, you know, you're right where you need to be and whatever is supposed to happen will happen. That gets me through the day. <laughs> um, one of the some more um, like tactical, practical advice that I got from uh, one of my favorite managers and mentors is sometimes you just have to make a decision, stick with it, and take it one day at a time. You're not going to know how it's all going to, to shake out. But as long as you're firm in what it is that you believe, you'll figure out a way to, to get to where you're going. Mm. Wow, yeah, that's deep. I love that, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Awesome, so now I'd like you to do a few things. So first <laughs> things first, um, 
I want to open up some space mm-hmm. for you to mm-hmm. give some love, some shout outs um, to whoever you want. Um, so take it away. All right. I feel like I'm reading off of credits here because this <laughs> list uh, is never ending. And forgive me to anyone um, who I miss. But again, starting with my parents um, and entire family, I am not who I am uh, without the community and support that has always uh, been with me. Um Shout out to my fiance, <laughs> um, who has given me the space to become more comfortable with with me, uh, and being that support system that you know I honestly didn't know I needed. Um, I have to say Cheryl Simmers, who is the uh, technology department head that I mentioned earlier, who. Uh, really gave me that push at a young age to go out there and chase my dreams outside of just Virginia. Uh, And the many managers um, that I've had along the way, um, especially Kelly Coleman, um, who is one reason why I'm here at CBS today. Um, And all of my friends, I have a group of um, of really close guy friends. We're called the the Four Twenty Crew. Um, freshman year of college, we met each other, and uh, two of them lived in the Four Twenty dorm room um, within Drew Hall, and we have been close and gotten um, I'd say even closer over the years. Uh, so to the whole community village. Everyone that's been around me, I, I can't say thank you enough. Dude, that's beautiful. Love to hear that. I, you know, it's probably my favorite question on the pod. I just love hearing people, you know, shout out people and share that gratitude because you know gratitude is so important. Um, you know, we all would not be where we are today if not for the struggles and passions and you know, work of other people and the sparks they saw mm-hmm. in us. So, mm-hmm. so cool. And thanks so much for sharing. Um, okay, so now, what should someone on campus in the CBS community reach out to you for help about? Reach out to me if you ever just need someone to listen. Um, I know I've been talking this whole episode, but I'm much more of a listener. I like to you know, hear what other people are, are going through, what their passions are, and give them that support and the push that they need. Um, so if you just ever want someone to hear out your idea or train of thought, you know, I'm there. Um, also, if you just want to explore New York, get to know the city, let me know too. Like I'm, I'm down to just take a walk or or do whatever. Um, and also anything that's related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, it's a passion of mine. It's something that I'm you know, constantly trying to learn more about and figure out how we can create better approaches for 
for everyone. I'm not an expert here. You know, I, I'm a black man, but that doesn't make me a DI expert and no one is, and no one should have that weight on them. Uh, so if you just want somebody to talk to and be like, hey, is, <laughs> is this offensive? Or like, how should I approach this? Let me know and we can figure it out together. Dude, so cool. That's awesome. I really do hope people take you up on those offers because um, first things first, you know, Wilbur is literally the nicest guy you'll meet on campus. Um, he is a good listener. I think that goes to UGT. Um, oh, well, <laughs> thank you. I'll accept it. But uh, no, it does not. It goes to Wilbur. And um, he is indeed a very good listener and just an incredible personality. And you know, when you guys get the chance to meet him, you'll learn to find he is a super calming presence. I mean, for those of you who listen to this podcast in and out, I mean, this is probably one of our most chill episodes because <laughs> my guy has just got me like my blood pressure is low. Just listening to his soothing voice. I mean, look, stop, you can't go stop. wrong <laughs> hanging out with Wilbur and, you know, take him up on those uh, restaurant offers and tour the city with him. Um, you probably couldn't find a better guide. Awesome. So let's end it where we always do. Please give us three book recommendations and tell us why you love them. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to take a different approach here. I have one book and two podcasts for everyone to listen to. Um, book um, Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, I'm sure that's already been shared <laughs> on this podcast before. I think it was uh, Dalisu uh, who mentioned it. Um, and for me, I read that right when I moved to New York uh, and Ta-Nehisi Coates um, went to Howard. Um, he spent time in New York. He spent time in Paris. Um, and these are all things that I've done as well. Uh, and so for me to compare his experiences to my own, there was just so much overlap there. And I've never felt more connected to a book or a person um, as I did while, while reading that. And then also the concept of people just living in different worlds heavily resonated with me. <laughs> we all have these very unique backgrounds and experiences that shape how we move, how we communicate with people, what drives us. And um, it can be hard to get past that when you're talking to other people who don't share similar backgrounds. And um, for me, I always felt like, okay, how do, I, how do I break through this? How do I break through those barriers? And to a certain extent, I don't know if you always can because people do live in these very different worlds. Um, however, if you push yourself hard enough, you can get outside of at least your own world and try to understand others. While everyone may not try to understand you, you can try to understand someone else. And so I, I try to do that on my own and encourage other people to, to do so as well. Um, so that's the, that's the book um, for podcasts. I recommend everyone listen to, uh, to Code Switch. Um, pretty sure it's an NPR podcast. 
uh, for me, it's good you know, with the with the DEI lens. Um, I've learned a lot about other cultures through that. Um, one of my favorite episodes, um, the host was talking about the difference between being um, Persian and Iranian, and like, is there a difference, and how has that changed over time because of? of movements of people and politics and that's something that I'd never been exposed to or even thought about so being able to hear someone speak to it um, in a way that was personal and informative and entertaining to me was great and I think that all of their episodes are like that uh, and then last recommendation is called Invisibilia. And there have been, I think, three or four seasons now. Each one has a different theme, uh, but it essentially takes you on a journey of what are the things that are happening below surface level um, that we are not thinking about, that we are not seeing, but have these uh, immense impacts on individual people and in broader society dude that is crazy what is so cool about those uh, like recommendations is that you start with the Coates book and how that kind of like opened up your eyes and you saw the parallels with all the different worlds we live in and then your next two recommendations is how you kind of like push yourself to see those different worlds and try and relate kind of just what you were saying at the end so Nice, very cohesive. <laughs> love it. Oh man, I love a good themed recommendation. And maybe you didn't even know you were doing it, but there it is. I did not know. Um, Glad it worked. <laughs> <laughs> it worked perfectly. Well, Wilbur, this has been such a good chat. I'm so glad we had the opportunity to do this. Um, I just want to thank you so much for your time and sharing your story with me in the class. Um, the final words are yours, man. Listen, the pleasure is all mine. Um, it's an honor to be here with you. Um, even in such a short amount of time, I feel like I've learned so much from you and all of our other classmates. Um, it can be uncomfortable here. <laughs> uh, once again, um, in a new and challenging uh, environment and taking it one step at a time to get through it all. Uh, so I hope that more people reach out to me after this um, that I'm able to have more conversations with other folks and that we all get through this process and this journey together and can you know rely on each other as community for many more years to come cold summer night should have put my arm around your shoulder I'll just hold you cause last night I was thinking all these things I'm not supposed to I guess I didn't see it coming Guess I was afraid of loving someone again Falling, sinking